0: Would you please take your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 17, Luke 17 this morning. We'll take a brief detour from our study in the book of Philippians, Luke chapter 17. We're right here in the ministry of Jesus Christ, in the middle of it, and chapter 17, verse 12. He says here, And as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. These 10 men representing to a certain degree, the sickness of everyone, but particularly the Gentiles with the number 10. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. I'm going to preach a very simple message to you this morning on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a holiday, of course, that has become overshadowed, but it's always been overshadowed. It's only been recognized and really appreciated when people feel the need to be thankful. In 1621, the Pilgrims first inaugurated a commemoration of Thanksgiving. There was the first presidential commemoration right in the middle of the Civil War. President Lincoln issued a proclamation concerning Thanksgiving, referencing the trust and the faith that we have had and must have in our nation in order to survive. And down through the years, there have been various times that have been special days of Thanksgiving. Today in American culture, of course, we understand it's not an important holiday. We don't have anything to be thankful for because apparently everything prepare for sarcasm this morning. Are you ready? Apparently everything we have, we deserve. In fact, we haven't yet gotten what we deserve. There's still a lot that's owed to us in this world. The government owes us a lot, I can tell you that. My my boss, my company, they owe me. I'll tell you someone else that owes me, my family. They don't appreciate me the way they should. People in this church don't appreciate me the way they should. There's a lot of things that are still owed to me. You can guess what I call this Thursday. Turkey Day. Why? Because that's what we do on that day. It's almost as if it was an Ohio State fan referring to that team up north or vice versa. We dare not talk about the day itself, which is Thanksgiving Day. I said it. You didn't hear me, did you? I'm kind of I'm kind of a little bit uh, afraid to say it because as soon as I say Thanksgiving, I have to think about to whom I'm giving thanks. Now, Christians, I, I don't know about you, um, we live in this culture, right? We, we, we have a tendency, if we're not careful, to just become a slightly sanitized version of every other unsaved person in America. We don't drink, we don't smoke. That's about where we draw the line, amen? Why? Because we have liberty in Christ. Truth is, there are such things as libertines, Scripture references them. People who take the freedom and liberty in their own life that has been given to them, purchased by someone at great cost. And they use it for their own advantage. They push the envelope. They're more ready to argue against people who would uphold the sincerity and the veracity of the word of God. They're they're quicker to be upset at people who would curtail any of their decisions than they are to look up to the God who gave them everything. They'd rather fight with other people than they would fall on their face. We have here a place that shows the heart of man, unfortunately, as it continues, as it has always been. You see, we start with a problem. The problem here in verse number 12, 10 men that were lepers, lepers, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, it's nothing other than a flesh eating disease. If you had acne, except the acne ate your body, that's what it would be. And I'm happy to tell you that there is a vaccine for leprosy that has been invented, has been developed in the last 50 years or so, but... In those days, there was no such thing. And even in the case of the vaccine today, it depends on how far advanced it is, if, whether it has any effect on it. These men had a death sentence. But it wasn't just a death sentence in the sense of knowing when they would die. They didn't know for sure when they would die, but they knew that they were going to die. And they knew that it was going to be a horrific death in which they watched their body disappear. It's a horrible thing. And there's 10 of them. You know why there's 10 of them? There's 10 of them because one of them didn't want to live by himself. Two of them didn't want to hack their way through this disease. So they kept adding people. There was a lot of other people, apparently, that were just as sick and that were just as, as sure of their death. Started banding together. You know, getting together can help. It can help kind of distract you from what's going on. You get together with somebody who's been through it, you know, someone who's experienced a, a horrible disease or let's say someone who's been through a terrible divorce. Someone who has had a, a, a child um, leave them and disown them and, and completely rebel and turn against them. You know, it can help to sit down and talk with someone who's been through a similar circumstance, if you're a person who has has been under the bondage of alcohol, it can help to sit and talk with other people. If you're someone who's been addicted to pornography, it can help to see that there are other people. The Bible says there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. The devil likes to tell you that your particular vice is unusual because you're special and unique and different. And while that may be true and is true in the fact that you are a special creation of God, your particular bondage is not special. It's common to man. It's going to fall under one of three headings, the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes or the pride of life. We know already what the devil is going to hit us with. We know already what our flesh is going to be attracted and addicted to. And yet somehow we end up in the same boat as these 10 lepers. You may get together with others like you and say, boy, it really hurts. I I have panic attacks. I I, I struggle with anxiety. And by the way, those things are not talked about a lot. But the Bible says, be not afraid of sudden fear. If you are struck with sudden fear, there is a specific command in the Bible to tell you, stop. 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 Depression is almost the untalked about sin. Depression is a sin? Well, I'm not here to tell you that problems don't cause us to want to be depressed. But if I have to quote the inimitable words of Marilla Cuthbert from Anna Green Gables, she said something, though not specifically mentioned in Scripture. It's certainly that thought is found in Scripture. This is what she said. To despair is to turn your back on God. To despair When you are in depression, if you're not careful, you may find yourself even glorifying it. You might find yourself as self-righteous that somehow I have been through more than others. And you probably have been through more than me. That's not saying much. But I will say this. If God is who he said he is and his word is what it proclaims itself to be, you have power, not just to barely make it through and somehow crawl into heaven. He said, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You see, the life of Jesus Christ is not a life without pain or not a life without sorrow. It is being able to live in this dark, sin-cursed world inside a corrupted and corrupting body and still bring glory to Jesus Christ. You have the power to live on this earth In glory to your Savior. No matter what your circumstance may be. But we have these ten men. They join together. And they, though they have shared and perhaps helped one another with their problems, it has not lent them any final solution. There is nothing that is cured. You may feel better a little bit for a while. But then tomorrow you wake up and realize... Your finger has gone a little bit more than it was. It's a horrible disease. I want you to see what they decide to do. They get together and they said, "Let's let's call out to the Lord." They said, "Jesus, Master, have mercy on us." They had the right idea. They got together, though united by common sickness, and they decided that they were going to unite in their call to a common master. They said, Jesus, have mercy on us. And when you're talking to God, there's nothing that you can demand of God. The best way to start is to say, Lord, have mercy. When you say, God, have mercy on me, what you're saying is, I don't deserve this. There's really no reason why you should give this to me. But I'm asking you, instead of what ought to be done to me, I'm asking you to take a different tack and have mercy. Have mercy. And they ask for this. They say, Master, have mercy. You can't demand mercy. You can only ask it. And they did. And they say to him, "Have mercy," and when he saw them, what did he say? He said, "Go show yourselves unto the priests. What is the Lord doing? He is sending them he is almost he, he is almost jumping over the interaction he 's almost instead of coming to them and saying Well, let me talk to you about this. Why did you ever get leprosy? Were you hanging out with lepers? Instead of investigating, he simply sends them to the solution, to the place that they must go because they had been cured. Right? That's where you go to the priest. The priest has to investigate. He has to look at you and determine whether or not you are cleansed of leprosy, according to the book of Leviticus. And so the Lord said, hey, listen, not only am I going to have mercy on you, I'm going to help you and and, and I'm not going to waste one more moment of your life in pain and sorrow. I'm going to send you directly to the person who can't heal you, but a person who can verify whether you're healed or not. You see, what happens here is cleansing comes from the master, from Jesus inexplicably. There's no way to explain how this happened. There's not even an interaction. And in in this, I see a picture of salvation. You know what people have a problem with in salvation? They have a problem with the simplicity of salvation. You know the reason why? Because we as humans, we want to figure it out. If we can just figure it out, Then we could, I'll tell you what we could do, we could harness it for our own power. We could make money off of it if we could figure it out. In this case, the Lord didn't even say anything. He didn't touch them. He didn't put his hands on them. He didn't pray over them. He didn't anoint their eyes. He didn't preach a message to them. All he said was, go to the priest. Why? Because their healing was instantaneous. Their healing was invisible. They had, they, there was no direct connection. There were no words. There was no spirit breathed upon them. It was simply, they called out to Jesus and he said, go show yourself to the priest. Let me ask you a question. Have you come into contact with Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not even talking about praying a specific prayer. What I'm talking about is Jesus Christ, the man. What happens in life is this. Christians go to church because their parents went to church. Baptists raise up good Baptists. As Lutherans raise up good Lutherans. As Catholics raise up good Catholics. And we all go to the places that our parents went. Why? Because we have this idea that somehow it's in the DNA. That somehow if your parents went to church and you go there, there's some special grace that is conferred upon you biologically. May I remind you that God has no grandchildren. No grandchildren. Every person that's in the family of God is his son or his daughter. When did you become a child of God? When did you get saved? The Bible talks about it in the terms of born again. Born again. You see, your first birth got you into this world physically But with it came this old nature that sins against God. With it comes the ability to be corrupted like these ten lepers were. So the second birth is necessary. Why? Because that spirit is dead and God cannot speak with you. He cannot bring you into heaven. He cannot fellowship with you. You're not in his family. I don't know about you. Thanksgiving time. I'm not thinking how many people that I don't know can I get into my house? Now, hey, I've been around Thanksgivings many times. There's people that come in from outside, and we're grateful for that. But you know what the first thought is? I want my family around me. I want to be around my family. Even people who can't talk to one another throughout the whole year, somehow at Thanksgiving, they suck it up, and they go in, and they try not to to get mad when crazy Uncle Joe starts going off about his stuff. Right? That's just the way we are. Why? Family is important. You know, you want to know God? You have to be in his family. How do you get in his family? Well, he said to the Pharisees and to all sinners, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, you will do. Your father is the devil. You need to be reborn into the family of God. How is that? Well, I'm going to tell you, you're not, you may not like it because it's it's going to be easier than you think. Just like when these people, these 10 lepers called out and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Something happened, a transaction happened in a moment. You see, where it came from was this. They, desired, they, they knew two things. Number one, they were going to die. They knew two, the second thing, that Jesus could heal them. And so because of that, they called out and said, have mercy. That's how you get in the family of God. You, number one, know that you're a sinner and that your sin is going to take you to hell. And if you think, not my sin, you're not ready. You're not ready. You see, God's not going to look down and say, well, let's just judge and see how many people have sins and what kinds of sins and see who's really bad. And the really bad people, <laughs> we're going to push them up. You know, the thing about it is, It's not based on what society thinks is a bad person. Have you noticed recently that some people are not as mad or, uh, or ready to vilify Hitler as they used to be? Have you noticed that? Isn't that weird? I saw a group of people standing. I think, I, uh, they, I think they were pro-Hamas supporters. And I, I'm not sure. And they were, they were giving the Sieg Heil salute of, of Adolf Hitler. You know what they would say? He was right. You know what we say? He was wrong. You know what? At the end of the day, I agree he was wrong. But you know the reason why I agree he was wrong? Because I have an authority called the Bible. It's not based on culture or what the news says. Or what people feel like, or what people get upset at, or what symbols they decide to spray paint on the side of buildings. That's not where I determine what right and wrong is. I determine right and wrong based on the Word of God. God said, Thou shalt, thou shalt not. He gives me a list. That's my standard. So when we're talking about whether or not you're a sinner, we're not talking about what I think or what you think. We're talking about what God said. How do you know if you're a sinner? Well, what did God say? If you broke what God said, you're a sinner. He said, thou shalt not bear false witness. He said, thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, thou shalt not steal. He said, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. These are all commandments. If you've broken one of the commandments, then you've taken God's law and you have smashed it on the ground. And if you say, no, 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 I would never do that. Yes, you would. How do I know that? Because you already did. You say, well, I didn't know that I was offending God. Well, you didn't have to know that you were offending God when you sinned. All you have to know is that you knew that it was wrong somewhere inside, someone had told you, but you didn't even have to be told by a whole bunch of people because inside of you is a thing called a conscience and you decided, I don't have to do what they tell me to do. So your parents represented God's law. Your school teachers, your authorities in your life represented God's law to you. And what do you do? You say, well, I don't, I don't agree with that. Okay, but let me remind you of this. You don't agree with it because you have your own standards, right? But you don't even keep your own standards. So you're a lawbreaker. You're a rulebreaker. You know the hardest people in the world to convince of that? Religious people. Why? Because they line themselves up on a line according to who they're better than. They don't ever think about who they're worse than but they think about who they're better than, right? And as a result of that, that's why salvation seems too simple. Because it's, the idea is this, I know I made a mistake, I got a bad grade this time, but I'm going to redouble my efforts and I'm going to hire a tutor and I'm going to be better on the test next time. The problem is this, you get one test, be perfect, sinless. And as soon as you sin, you failed. That's what it is. And so I don't happen to agree with that. The Lord said in James, if you offend in one point, if a man offend in the law, in one point of the law, he's guilty of all. What's that? If I were to to be hanging from this, holding on to a chain, and hanging from that chain tied up there, and and, and I'm hanging 20 feet above the ground, which of the links has to break for me to fall? Any of them that falls, I'm going to break something. Any of those links that breaks, I'm plummeting to the ground. It's the same is true with the law. The integrity of the entire chain is only as good as the weakest link. And so you and I have broken God's law. You see, what happens is this. Religion comes along and says, if you will simply be better, then you won't break God's law. Okay, that may be true. If you would not be a sinner, you wouldn't commit sin. Okay, fine. Problem is, what about all the things I've already done? What am I supposed to do with those? See, that's why it's so simple, but it's it's so so difficult. Because you have to come to the point where as a leper, you're not saying, well, I don't have as bad a leprosy as you. And you're not saying, well, I'm going to call the Mayo Clinic because I hear they have a special treatment for people like me. You've given up. Everywhere else and everyone and everything else and said to Jesus, have mercy on me. It takes a while to come to the point where you realize if it's not going to be Jesus who has mercy on you, you're done. You're going to hell. That's why it's so difficult. People hate that word hell. They hate the idea that there's, 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 there's a place that, that God sends people. Now listen, I'm, I'm I'm not convinced that God sends anyone to hell. He's standing on the road to hell with the cross and his arms outstretched saying, don't go to hell. And yet everybody says, I can't believe in a God who would. Well, let me ask you this. Can you believe in a God who would die for the sins of wicked people? Because that's the God of the Bible. But I can tell you this. If you walk past Jesus on the cross, you're damned for eternity. You walk by him and say, I don't need you. I'm working on it myself. Forget it. You're done. I don't care what church says what. There's no way in the world for you to look at Jesus Christ as the son of God dying on the cross for the sins of mankind and say, you know what? I like that idea. Let's put a pin in that. I'll get back to you. I've got my own idea. Who do you think you are? You've got to come to the point where you recognize You're not going to heaven Because you're a Baptist Because you're a Catholic Because you've been in church Because you've been baptized Because of anything you have done You can't get to heaven And I hope that makes you feel uncomfortable Because until you feel the effects of that disease in you You'll never call out to God and say Have mercy on me But if you will It'll happen so fast You may look back and say I don't even know what happened One day I was full of disease And all of a sudden I called out to Jesus And something happened in me And forever I'm healed Christian I'm glad to tell you If you got saved By the way you can't be a Christian If you're not saved If you got saved You're saved forever Forever Why? Because what Jesus does, he does. Not based on me. He's the one that did it. And you can rest in that. Rest in what? Rest in his work. If you're still trying to work your way to heaven, trying to be better, I'm going to stop drinking so much. I'm going to stop looking at that. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm not going to put that in my body anymore. I'm going to stop doing that to people. Okay, you should stop doing bad stuff. All right? As a general rule, you shouldn't do bad stuff. But if you think that's going to get you to heaven then really what you're saying is it's me versus Jesus. What's weird is people trying to be like Jesus are actually fighting him. They're pushing back against him because his gift is eternal life that he gives you freely. And that's what these people have received, this invisible, this instantaneous gift. Watch what it says, verse number 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. My admonition to you this morning is stop and notice. Just stop and notice. I don't know what all of them were doing when they left, but I know they all they all had to know that they were cleansed. But there was something that happened specifically with this guy. Where he stopped and he saw. You see, the word thank and the word think come from the same word. I mean, they're very similar. They're connected. They're cousins. Like sing and song. They're basically the same word. You know what that tells us? When you're not thankful, you're not thinking. You see, the reason why you're so irritated with people who take your parking space is is because you've forgotten what it was like when you didn't have a car. The, the reason why you're so irritated with this headache is because you're not the kind of person that's heading into surgery tomorrow. You, 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 the reason why we're irritated with, with our kids so much is we forget what a blessing it is that we even have kids. And maybe for some people even, they might say, I'd love to have a kid that irritated me. The reason why we get so irritated at our job is because we forget what it's like before we had the money. Before we had a job. We're so irritated with the stock market going down. Why? Because we have money in the stock market. If you don't have money in the stock market, you don't care if it goes up or down. Hey, here's the thing. God has been so good to us that we live our lives irritated at the fact that he hasn't been good enough to us. Isn't that wild? You know, when people back in the 1960s, Kent State University and other places throughout America, when they started burning the flag, you know the reason why some people stood up and defended that? Some people did it because they hate America. But some people said, I gave my life and I stood in harm's way to ensure the right of you to complain about where you live. Let me ask you, you ever think maybe God thinks that way about us? His salvation is so complete and so wonderful, he gives us so many benefits, and one of those benefits includes the ability and the freedom to complain about the benefits that he's given us. How many remember what it was like before health care was a benefit? Anybody remember? that? But, I, I mean, I should say this. Let me say it this way: You remember before everybody had health insurance? Anybody remember that? Am I the only one? It's a benefit. It's a benefit. What? 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 What right? What absolute right to health insurance is enshrined in the Constitution of the United States of America? It's not. The pursuit of happiness is there. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, for sure. It's what a blessing it is. And I'm thankful for health insurance, don't get me wrong. But if we're not careful, we complain that our health insurance isn't good enough when it's a benefit to us. A benefit. It's a blessing. I understand this one's not going over. This is not a great illustration. (laughs) Because you all still think that health insurance is a right. And it's not, it's a blessing. Let me ask you this. Do you think salvation is a right that you have? No. It's a gift. You know what that means? You couldn't earn it. You weren't good enough for it. You don't deserve it. Yet God's given it to you. Now, if we can understand that about salvation, we can understand about about many of the benefits that we have in our life. You know, having a car in America is not a right. Now, having a phone is a right. That is absolutely enshrined in the Constitution of the United States of America. Guarantee you. Founding father of texting all the time. But isn't it interesting how the gifts that we have are now seen as right? You see, it was one person, 10%, that stopped. And what did he do? He saw that he was healed. You see, we can see life through one of two lenses. One, Lens is the lens of deprivation. Thinking about how we are deprived. Deprived of what? I would imagine that your sense of deprivation increases in proportion to the stuff you look at on the internet. Now, I'm, I'll tell you this. I'm happy until I go on and see things that are available. Man, I, I, you ever go on Etsy. Etsy is a, is a, uh, uh, an app, a, a software program, whatever you want to call it. It's a, it's a company and helps people, uh, who most of them are, are small time people, small businesses that create very unusual, cool things. And sometimes I think my life is great until I go on Etsy. And when I see the stuff that some people have, I mean, they got, they got, they got all kinds of cool gadgets, I look at my phone. What is this? I don't have a, a, like a cover, like a little knit cover for my phone. I, I, I don't have, you know, leather cups. Some of you do. Must be nice. Right? I'll tell you one thing that, that I don't have. A, 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 I, something I really like, I think is cool, is there's, this, there's a book and they pour epoxy into an open book. Anybody seen this? And it's translucent, it's clear, and there's a whale swimming in this open book, and it's frozen. I don't have one of those. I've got it on my wish list, though, I can tell you that. You know, what's interesting. We don't have a lot of stuff that other people have. Does, do you have a, a, a dishwasher that puts your dishes away for you? It's called a maid. You can get that. But, you know, it's interesting. We, all, all we have to do is look at the people that have more than we and we feel deprived. Deprived. It's not fair. It's not fair. You know, the other lens you can look at is you can look through life and, and look through this lens, rather, into your life. It's called the lens of abundance. That's thinking about the things that we do have. So maybe instead of looking up the economic ladder, maybe you could take some time. If you're going to look at people, make sure you balance it out. Look down at the people who don't have the things that you have. Now, I'm not saying be condescending to them. I'm saying consider what they have. Yeah. Consider how, what they drive and where they live. Yep. Well, Americans are taught to look which direction on the economic ladder. Always up, 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 up. Maybe we should turn the lens around and look at the other people who don't have what we have. I don't know if you feel like me. I don't like, anybody ever says, my kids will say, uh, no, I'm sorry, I should not say that. My kids never said this. They never said, were we rich? Were we rich growing up? They never said that. In fact, there was a little poem about how the marshals, hippity-hoppity, the marshals have poverty. That was one of the sayings from high school of my high school kids, my kids' friends from high school. I'm not sure why they said that, but... But apparently it was because all we ever ate was, you know, uh, the, what's those noodles that you cook when people come? Ramen noodles. You know, that was our normal. I'm just kidding. We didn't just eat ramen noodles. But partly it was because we had three teenage boys and they had us at a house at home and they brought 17 of their own leper friends to come to, to the house. And we had nothing in the house and the marshals have poverty. And, uh, you know, I could easily look at that and I could say, yeah, you're Right. You're right, but that's only because I'm looking up the economic ladder at people who have stuff that I don't have. But when I go to places like Trinidad or I go to places like Haiti and I see this guy's really proud of the fact that he has a bicycle. It kind of changes. It kind of changes. what. I Yeah, we may have poverty, but not like that guy. He's really got poverty. He's really poor. Seeing the lens through the world through the lens of deprivation is the same thing that, that Eve did. I want you to take your Bibles and look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Eve saw the world through the lens of deprivation. Romans chapter 1 tells us what happens to make people dark. Dark. Look at Romans one twenty one. It says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping thing, creeping things. Do you see what happens where it comes from? It comes from this, not looking at God and glorifying him as the great giver of all things. When you have leprosy, you may have the nicest house in town, but you're going to have to leave it. And if you don't leave it, nobody else can come over. It doesn't matter if you have the nicest clothes. It doesn't matter if you have the nicest food. Because all you can think about is the fact that you're dying. You see, a leper is, has a constant reminder that he can't be happy on this earth, he's dying. It's a lens of deprivation. And you know that leper would change, it would trade anything that he has in order to be healed. When you see God for who he is, you see him as the giver of that which matters the most. The most. You see, the, the things, the problem is not that you don't believe God has given you things. It's that you don't believe God has given you the most important thing. Sure, God's given you this and that and so forth, other things people will be happy with. But not you, because there's one thing that if you could have that, you would be happy. You're not glorifying him as God in that regard. If God wanted you to have it, could God give it to you? Of course he could. If God hasn't given it to you yet, is he still God? Of course he is. Will you glorify him as God even when your flesh whines and complains? Here, they glorified him not as God. And what happened? Their thankfulness dropped off. You can't be thankful to God if you think it's your own Protestant work ethic that's gotten you everything in the bank. You can't be happy with God if you think it's your, your high-class relationship skills that have kept you married. You can't be thankful to God if you think it's because you're so nice to your kids that your kids like you. you. You can't be thankful to God if it's because you're so good at car maintenance that you have this nice car that never breaks down. You see, as I'm not saying that you shouldn't be good in relationships. Neither am I saying that you shouldn't be nice to your kids or take care of your car. It's when you stop glorifying God for everything that you have... That you start being unthankful and you start immediately whining. Amen. Whining for what? For the things that God, the great giver of all things, has given you. Notice in Romans 1.21, their foolish heart was darkened. You ever find in your flesh thinking just like any other lost person? Living just like any other person in America. Whining, complaining, upset. We're going to unite together. We're going to throw. We're not going to do anything. Maybe we've got to go back to God and say, Lord, my heart is dark right now. My heart is dark. I'm upset because there's stuff I should have that, I, that other people have, and I don't feel like it's fair. And if you're not careful, you know what's going to end up right in there? Because I've done A and B and C, Right? So all the things I have, I deserve, except I don't deserve these things. I deserve everything, but I deserve more. No, you don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything. You see, God's been good to me. That's why I have life and breath. God's been good to me. That's why I have a wife. It certainly isn't because I've been a perfect husband. You can say amen right there, gentlemen. If you're man enough. Hey, ladies, you have a husband. If you have a husband, it's not because you've been such a perfect wife. The children you have and you're grateful for, they're not because you're such a perfect parent. And if they are, it's because they haven't started walking and talking yet. You see, there comes a point in your life where you, you start to become God. And when you become God, you go dark. You're to look up to God and say, God, I'm shaving this face again. I don't even deserve to have a face. But you gave it to me. God, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my keys and my hand works. I got five fingers. And they work and I can twist my wrist. And I can, I can lift it up, maybe with some pain. But you're not a robot. And I'm taking those keys and I'm I'm walking. Out the door. The door. I'm under roof. And I'm walking and I tell you one thing. I'm so starving, I'm going to starve. No. I'm going to go get in my car. And I'm going to start it. And it starts, and I'm going to put it in reverse, and reverse works on my car. How many remember when you had a car didn't Reverse didn't work. And I'm going to back out of my driveway. my driveway. Well, I mean, the bank, you know, I know but my driveway. I'm backing out, and I'm going to pull onto a road. a road. Say, what's the big deal? Have you ever been to West Virginia? (laughs) They call deer paths roads down there. And I'm going to drive down to the store, and i got to wait in line. I mean, it was, count, three minutes before I even got that hot steaming breakfast sandwich. And not only that, I got rewards points for buying it man, this is a pretty awesome life that we have. And I got to go, I got to hurry because I'm late for my job. I got a job. What's that? Well, a job is where you go, well, you don't have to go to work. I mean, a lot of people have job and never go to work. But normally you go to the job and you do stuff and they give you money, right? And you want to talk about things you don't believe in invisible things? When's the last time you saw money physical money from your job. They just put it right in your bank account. And there it is. And you take that and you're going to go, man, I don't know how we're going to afford gifts this year. How are we going to do it? I don't know how we're going to... Wait, hold on a second. Who would you even buy gifts for? Your family. If you got somebody to give a gift for that's related to you... What a blessing. That's a privilege. It's an honor. You see, we could go down this all through the year, entire, just one day of your life, and we could talk about blessing after blessing after blessing after benefit after blessing. God has been good to us. What should we do? Well, I don't know. Let's go out and buy some more and complain about how horrible America is. I suggest to you that is not a Thanksgiving day worth remembering. You have to stop, and you have to see. Paul learned to see the world through the lens of abundance. So that even when he was infirm, he said, Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities. Why? Paul didn't say, y'all pray for me, I'm sick. I'm really doing bad. And he was doing bad. You know what he said? I'm thanking God, because whenever I'm sick, my mind goes crazy, and I'm just calling out to God nonstop. He saw it as a blessing. Not the lens of deprivation, the lens of abundance. Pause and notice the gift. Second and last, look at verse 15 back in Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God. God. Is it okay to thank God with a loud voice? Well, of course it is. You know why we don't do it? Because we just don't feel thankful enough. If you felt thankful enough, you'd say, praise the Lord. If it was the desire of your heart, it was something you really wanted. It was something that had been burdening, burdening you down and weighing on you and oppressing you. When God did something for you, you would say, glory to God. I just want to come back and say, thank you, God. You've been good to me. And I don't have to wait till I get to the concert. I don't have to wait till I get to the football game. And I open up and I feel okay because there's thousands of people. I'm the only one. But Lord, I want you to know, I know what you did for me. I know where I was. And I know where I am. And I know it's because of you. And I want to let you know, God, I am thankful to you. You are my God. American culture did not give this to me My parents did not give this to me I didn't give it to me I am thanking you God because you gave it to me And I say thank you Lord If you're going to thank God This this year You ought to be willing to open your heart You know I, I, I I love Toledo It's understated You know one of the things that we struggle with Being straightforward and open Everybody wants to just disappear. We all want to go under the curtains. We're all just busy going to work at night and coming home at night. And you're faithful and all that. But there's something you ought to do as a believer. You ought to be willing to step out and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. This Thanksgiving dinner might be an opportunity. Well, I don't want to offend anybody. I guess you're not that thankful then, are you? If you were really thankful... You'd be willing to say, God, I want to let you know publicly, if necessary, feeling a little bit of shame, maybe, but I'm not looking at them. I'm looking. How many people will do it? According to the text, about 10% of us will do that. 10%. Why? Not because God hasn't been good to 100% of us. Because we haven't stopped and thought and considered what he's done. He said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Go back and give him glory. Go back. Where'd you leave him? Did you leave him five years ago? When's the last time you thought about Jesus Christ, your personal Savior? Go back to remembrance. Go back to humility. Go back to love, not just for the gift, but love for the giver. What a great God we have that knows our need and dials in exactly what we need for eternity. And give him glory. Give him glory for every success, every victory, every blessing, every good that's come. If you're ready to go even further, give him glory for every trial. Give him glory for every setback, every physical problem you've had, every financial difficulty you've had this year. Give him glory for every rift that you've had with another human being. Why? Because it was in those areas God allowed you to see how weak you are and enable you to look up to the great God that's given you all good things and say, God, I need you. I want to glorify you. Don't let my heart get dark. I'm asking you, God, to help me not turn you into some little weird, creeping, uh, abominable idol. I'm saying, God, you're my God, and I'm returning to give thanks to you. Christian, our time of worship this morning to challenge you to thank your God, to thank him verbally, to thank him publicly, to say, Lord, I want you to know this. I haven't been maybe recently thinking about you much. I certainly haven't been glorifying you like I should, but I want you to know God today. I am thankful. Would you bow your heads in prayer?